Thanks for choosing our podcast. This is Coming Out Stories from What Goes On Media with me, Emma Goswell. This series, we're switching things around a bit and we're hearing from the mums and dads of LGBTQ plus people to hear about those important life-changing conversations from their perspective. By the way, if you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes, either with parents or LGBTQ people themselves, then please do let us know. We're busy at the moment collecting quotes about what the podcast actually means to the people, like your good self, who are listening. Just go to comingoutstoriespodcast.com and click on Get In Touch. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Right, let's get down to business though. It is time to meet another parent. So, can you imagine having two children who both come out to you on the same day and in the same phone call? Well, that is exactly what happened to my friend Marilyn. Well, I've got two. They're both in their 30s. There's two years between them, Fern and Lloyd. And one's into film and directing and TV, and that's Lloyd, and Fern is an IT marketing director. Oh, fantastic. So they've both got on to do very, very well for themselves. So what were were they like as kids then? Do you know, the funny thing is, it was, in some ways, when you look back, it was very obvious, because they're both gay. Thinking back, you know, when we went on holiday, it would be me and my daughter, Fern, carrying the suitcases while Lloyd would be looking in the shop windows doing his hair, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, to be honest, they had a rough time in a way because I was a single mother. I had to work full time. I was always the main breadwinner anyway. And um, I also had mental health problems. And so uh, at least one of them suffered from quite bad bullying. So we had to move house and school on at least two occasions. So in, in many ways, they didn't have it easy. And I wasn't aware that obviously, as they were going through adolescence, they were also obviously struggling with their sexual identity, which I didn't really cotton on to, even though all the signs were there. And I thought back on this, and I think it was because... Um, I was a professor of work psychology at at the university, and I also ran a research centre on diversity and equality, Um, you know, and wrote a lot of books on women and equality at work and glass ceilings and racial equality and so on. And so I had this very, um, you know, open idea about how to bring them up in that, you know, there were no gender roles. Oh, really? So if they wanted to do, you know, if... Fern wanted to go sort of climbing, she could, you know, if, if Lloyd wanted to do ballet, he could. So it wasn't blue for Lloyd and pink for Fern then in their clothing? Yeah, so I was totally open, really. And maybe, you know, in some ways, compared to other parents, I didn't naturally look at behaviours as being, you know, slightly different. I do remember once, though, that... Um, Lloyd, when he was about 14, he'd gone out with a girlfriend. Neither of them really had significant opposite sex girlfriend or boyfriend. Mm. Um, and he sat on the stairs when he got in and he looked really sad and he was sitting there. And I went up to him and said, what's the matter? And he said to me, oh, mum, he said, I don't really get anything out of it when I kiss, kiss a girl. And I said to him, guess yeah. what I said? Um, I said Go on. Oh, my God, boy, don't worry. I've kissed loads of frogs in my time. 
you will eventually, <laughs> you will eventually, you know, find the right one and then it'll be fine. Um, so, he was yeah. probably trying to come out to you then, but you didn't well, quite yeah. come on. Yes, mm. yes. So you mentioned bullying. Was that anything to do with sexuality or that was like totally different, you think? I don't think it was overtly to do with sexuality because I think they were too young. But I think mm. because he was so different, you know, he was sensitive, he was hopeless at games, uh, you know, he's artistic. And, you know, obviously he was a target, really, which was in some ways indirectly linked to his sexuality, which at the time they didn't call him names that were homophobic or anything. But thinking back, um, I think it was definitely because he was different. It's definitely a story that I've heard time and time again. It's like kids always yeah. pick up on a difference, don't they? You're right. And it's it's not, yeah. a sex, it's not a sexual thing or a sexuality thing, is it? It's just no. you are different. And again, it's all to do with gender roles, isn't it? So, yes. you know, people get pick up on things like if you walk effeminately or if you play with girls' toys or, you know. Yeah. Everything's very binary, isn't it, for children, yeah. which, is, which is weird. And I'm guessing if you weren't putting those binary things in place, because you would have simply had all different types of toys and they would have all played with everything, would they? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was very... I mean, that was my research area. I'd be giving lectures to undergraduate students about, you know, why when you go in toy shops, is there a whole row of boy toys and a whole row of girls? You know, so this, mm. was, this was what I was spending every day of my life researching or teaching or, you know, so... I mean, it's not an excuse, but obviously at our house, it wasn't it wasn't an issue. I don't think it was with their dad either. Um, he treated them both the same. So they both had roller skates and dolls and uh, or action. Yeah, whatever or... they could. Yeah, whatever they whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah. In mm. that respect, yeah. I always remember my favourite toy as a kid was Evil Knievel. <laughs> Whereas my sister did like her dolls. I think that was a sign. There were always signs, aren't there? <laughs> the funny thing was that that Lloyd was absolutely obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so he had a cardboard figure of her in his bedroom, <laughs> life size. Brilliant. And I had no idea that she was a gay icon, you know. It, it just wasn't in my <laughs> stratosphere, you know. So, yeah, yeah. So as they became teenagers, were, were, were there more signs? Was there more, was there more evidence? Well, they both went to Brighton Uni, for example, and they obviously chose that at the time, I didn't realise, because they you know, knew that Brighton, like Manchester, because you're talking 13, 14 years ago now, was where you could you know, be part of the gay community and not feel as alienated as you would if you'd you know, gone somewhere else. But they, you know, when they came home, they'd go to Canal Street and so on. But I'd go as well because, you know, it was great fun, cheap booze, the food. <laughs> you know, I didn't really um, think anything anything of it. So your kids went to university in Brighton, came home, took you out on Canal Street, <laughs> and you still didn't think they were gay. <laughs> I know. Well, I didn't, you know what, it, it, it wouldn't have been an issue really. No. I think I did suspect Fern, you know, she was captain of the rugby team at, at uni and, and stuff. But Lloyd and yet lo lots of my friends thought, oh, yes, I've thought that about Lloyd for years, you know. But it didn't, it wasn't really important anyway, if you know what I mean. I mean, it was obviously important to their well-being, but it wasn't an issue for me either way. And, you know, maybe I was blinkered, really. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're obviously someone that, 
isn't bothered about sexuality or you're very pro-diversity and equality. But so do you think that um, they both really picked up on that and they they knew that you would have been fine? Because it seems like even though that was going on, they took a while to come out, didn't they? It's not like they he came out at 14. I think they definitely knew it was fine because, you know, I've got gay friends, you know, I've got a, a cousin who I stayed with often who was gay. But I, to be honest, I think for both of them, and obviously you'd have to talk to them about this, mm. but I think it took them a while to be sure. Do you, you see what I'm saying? I, I, I don't think they were absolutely sure. I know that there are some, you know, I've met obviously lots of gay people and friends and they say, oh, I knew from the age of seven or I knew from the age of 10 or whatever. But mm. I don't think with mine that they were absolutely sure until they went away to uni, if you, if you know what I mean. Mm. I think there was still conflict there of, of, of not really knowing or knowing why they were different. Yeah, and some people do. I mean, I've spoken to people on this podcast who came out in their 40s and, and it hadn't, you know, it hadn't really sunk in until they were in the 40s. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, not, and it's not common, but it's not uncommon. You know, sometimes people always go for a journey and sometimes that might be very early in life, but other yes. times it does take a while. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think part of it also was that I don't think they were sure themselves and there was no way I was going to say to them, you know, I think you're gay. It's up to them to, to come out. It's funny, isn't it? Because a lot of people seem to be annoyed with their parents. They're like, well, they knew. Why didn't they say anything? Why didn't they ask yeah. me? And But other people don't want to be asked, do they? So it's, it's, I guess it's difficult as a parent, isn't it, to know how to approach yeah, it? Yeah, I just thought they're on a journey, as we all are, and let them go through that journey mm. themselves and, and when they're ready. And they definitely knew that there'd be no issue with me. Well, you're saying stuff because I think this is really important, isn't it? Because sometimes people don't necessarily know what their parents' views are and they only hear things. And you always remember as a gay person if your parent says anything remotely, possibly homophobic, yeah. you know, you always remember those tiny little things like if there's a gay kiss on TV and you hear a touch yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Gay people are very, very astute at picking up on those little tiny signals as, as, a, as young people, I think. But you were always quite proactive in your oh yeah I was quite always very open I mean they used to come in um, afterwards I started doing more research into LGBT and wrote chapters and gave lectures and and so on and but they used to come to my lectures at the uni when they were half term you know they used to sit on the front row <laughs> um, and, um, and, and so they they knew I mean I wasn't necessarily talking about LGBT but they knew that you know what I was all about from a very early age and and you know as I say they never ever would have they heard anything homophobic from either me or, or their dad actually. So they've got this wonderfully supportive mother and father by the sounds of it and they eventually do come out tell us tell us the story how did it happen how did they eventually come out to you? Well I remember it well I'd had a bit, of a, a bit of a week because they both left home. Fern had been away for, she was just finished uni, I think. They were both in Brighton, living there in the summer because they often stayed in the summer. It was an afternoon, it was summer, and I was actually at my computer and the phone rang Sunday afternoon. So I went and said hi. And um, anyway, it was Lloyd on the phone 
I said, oh, hi, how are you doing? He said, oh, fine, fine. And I knew Fern was there because I could hear her in the background mm. um, and sort of nervously giggling. And so I said, oh, is Fern there? And he said, yeah, yeah. And anyway, we had a bit of small talk about what they've been up to. And then he, Lloyd said to me, um, Mum, I've got something to tell you about Fern. So I said, oh, right. She's up. And then I immediately said, oh, God, she's all right, isn't she? She's not ill or anything. Mm. He went, no, no, no. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, she's gay. So I went, right, okay, that's absolutely fine. Um, hand me the phone. So she, <laughs> she then came on the phone and went, hi, mum. I went, hi, Fern. I said, look, that's absolutely fine. Anyway, we had a we had quite a, a chat, you know, and I said to her, I said, look, Fern, you know, the main thing is that you're happy. And that's, you know, the main thing. And it's good that you feel you can tell me and very supportive and everything else. So this went on for a while. And then she said, she suddenly, there was silence. And she suddenly said, Mom, I said, yeah. She said, are you sitting down? I said, yeah. She said, are you ready for two shots? I said, what? She said, it's about Lloyd. I said, what? She said, he's gay too. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Yeah. So uh, quite a dynamic phone call, really. And, of course, I then talked to him and, you know, said it was fine and thing. I mean, I did say something that I have regretted, and he said I shouldn't have said it, because remember this was 13, 14 years ago, and I said, you know, and I said, oh, you will be careful of AIDS, Lloyd, you know. And he said, Mum, don't be so ridiculous, you know, and, and things. And I, I made the sense, because... It, Things were very different then, 14 mm. years ago. But anyway, I apologise. I said, yeah, I should never have said that, you know. And he said, yeah, I know. But I think it was interesting that they both came out for each other. Yep, they'd obviously had a long discussion, hadn't they, the day before? Yeah. At some point preceding that phone call and decided exactly how they were going to do it because it's quite an unusual technique, isn't it? A, a double whammy on a phone yeah. call. But it's also the fact that they obviously found it easier for the other to tell me rather than themselves, which sometimes you do find in therapy sessions sometimes that people do that. Or, or you know, that when you go to these groups and you introduce the person next door to you because it's less stressful. Because yeah. we talk, we're quite, quite often talk about on this podcast, you know, you should never out somebody else, really. But clearly they were doing that with the other person's consent because they were stood right yes. next to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd always been very close. And so it obviously made sense to them. Mm. But what what was going through your mind when um, the second outing occurred? You know, two within the space of, of an hour is quite a lot to deal with as a parent, is it? Well, yeah. I mean, I... Didn't smoke very much at that time, but I went out and got myself a packet of fags. <laughs> <laughs> Sat on the balcony and, you know, smoking these fags and doing this, hoping the neighbour couldn't see me, you know, and have, having a thing. So, yeah, I mean, it was mixed reaction, really, because I I was really happy they were able to tell me. Yeah. Um, and that was great. But... I remember that night, you know, I did cry myself to sleep and, and, and I, I wasn't crying because they were gay. I was crying because I thought that they would have a harder time in life. Right. You know, and they'd already had a pretty of a rough upbringing with different 
things that had gone on. And remember, things still were very different 14 years ago. You know, mm. you, you couldn't get married. They'd only just bought, you know, partnerships in. There was still a lot of homophobia. You didn't see lots of actors playing gay part. You know, it, it, it was a different environment. I mean, OK, it was, you know, when I went to Brighton to visit them, it, it was different in Brighton, it's different in parts of Manchester. But generally, I knew that they would find it harder in life. And certainly they did, having to hide it in the workplace, for example. So I think that's why I was sad. Yeah. So cause did you express that when you spoke to them on that phone call or, or that was something that you just worried about privately? I didn't express it on the phone call because I just wanted to give them support, really. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to sort of go into that. But I think it was interesting for me because obviously... After this, I just poured myself into research into LGBT and, and Q and, and, you know, started doing research in it and getting research money and giving lectures on it at the university because I knew looking out into a, a crowd of 250 students that, you know, a percentage of them would be gay. Some of them may have never come out. So I, I did all this research and, and actually... I am pretty sure I was the only person in the whole of the University of Manchester giving lectures on, other than in gender studies, but I mean, mm. within, I was in the business school giving lectures on what it's like being, you know, LBGQ in, in, in the workplace, for example. You mentioned that maybe they weren't always out in the workplace either. So they'd obviously come out of university, hadn't they? And yeah. they decided to come out to you and the, and the family, mm. but they weren't necessarily out, out at work, no? No. I think Lloyd, because he was in the creative arts, could be. Yeah. Yeah. It's practically essential, Marilyn, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which was another thing I discovered, you know, um, when doing work that a lot of gay people deliberately choose certain occupations where they're going to be more accepted and so on. And I did work with Stonewall and all sorts. But I think that for Fern, and she won't mind me saying this because... I got a big award at the British Psychological Society for my work in diversity, and I had to give a talk. This was at the main conference in Brighton, and I had to give a keynote address. Wow. And again, I was the only, it's the only time anyone in, in the work section has ever given it on LGBTQ in the workplace. Wow. And um, I actually used Fern's voice as a tape, as a woman, and what she'd had to go through hiding her sexuality in the workplace they didn't know it was her and so she was happy to share that so that um and I used it with my students as well just to show the stress you know the isolation that that causes you know you can't include your workplace people in your social life you have to lie about your social life so when she split up with a girlfriend she's terribly distraught she had to pretend it was a boyfriend you know, having to hear homophobic comments all the time. I just think that in the end, the stress of it, she had to leave that particular, you know, occupation, uh, that particular job. But now she's totally open and she made a decision that she wasn't going to do this anymore. But to, to be honest, it's easier to do that the higher up the hierarchy you go. 
Yeah, and the older you get, the more confident you get as well, you know, and this is what LGBT Absolutely. We're const you're constantly having to come out, you know, as soon as you start a new job, it's like, oh, what did you do at the weekend? Yeah. Like, oh, well, I went out with my girlfriend yeah. to Canal Street. It's, you know, it's going to yeah. come up in conversation, isn't it? But it is interesting. I mean, I've spoken to, to business leaders and people who are quite high up who are LGBT, and they say, you know, it's so detrimental to the workforce for people to be in the closet because you're not happy. And if you haven't got happy workers, they're not going to be good workers, are they? Your company is going to be poorer for the fact that people are in the closet. Yeah. I also think for women, because a lot of my work was on, you know, women that work in glass ceilings and stuff. If you're a gay woman, in particularly in a male-dominated environment, it's even harder because A, you're discriminated as a woman. And B, you can then be discriminated uh, as a gay woman. So it's mm. almost like putting your hand up twice, mm. you know. And and I think that is also one of the problems that particularly gay women have. And also it can even be more problematic for bisexual men and women as well because Absolutely. We, we found they were the most discriminated against, both by gay and straight people. It's bonkers, isn't it? They do have such, yeah. a, such a tough time. So you told me that um, on that summer's day when you went out and bought a packet of cigarettes and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then cried yourself to sleep, your main concern was that they would have hard lives. And, you know, you've just given an example there of Fern having to leave a job. But what have their lives gone on to be? Were those worries founded, do you think? I think partially. I mean, as you know, and, and I know from both experience on my research, when people... Um, come out and to themselves as well they go through stages you know as you know you know first is disbelief and then it's what why did this happen to me and you know and and hating sort of an internal um hatred of themselves and 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 so on and so i have to see that and help them through it particularly lloyd but, you know, I was able to say to him, look, eventually it will, you will come to accept it and it will be part of your life and so on. So in answer to your question, I think that partly through changes in the last 13 years of, you know, attitudes um, towards uh, gay people in, in this country, obviously it's not the same in, in other countries. Um, I think through maturity, I think partially through seniority, because I think it is easier to be open about your sexuality if you're in the senior ranks rather than if you're just coming up, particularly if you're in a male-dominated occupations, then, you know, they've adjusted and they've, you know, they've done well. There's still prejudice and, and they still come across it. But I think times are much better than they were 14 years ago. And they're both happy to be out and proud and be themselves in, in all environments now, aren't they? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It isn't as easy. I think anybody that's different, it, it, it can cause, you know, if you're disabled or whatever, it, it, life can be a little bit more challenging. But I think, thank God, that, you know, in this country, and I think the media has had a massive effect. I, I mean, I think legislation is important, but I always say that changing attitudes and behaviour, the media has a much more powerful effect than a lot of people acknowledge yeah what just the fact that there's so much more lgbt representation in films in soap operas and and, and everywhere and it's become more mainstream mm. as well you know so that it, even the 
feature film movies, you're getting mainstream actors and, and, and studios backing, you know, million, multi-million pound um, films that are dealing with, you know, all sorts of different people in society, including people who are gay. So, yeah. And Lloyd's part of that. So he's, you know, he's... Knocking down yeah. walls and changing hearts and minds, isn't he? Through for all yeah, his work hopefully. as a director. So yeah, yeah, fab. Well, I always end my um, my usual podcast with asking people what they might have done differently, or you know, advice they'd have to their younger self. But what would you, what, what advice might you have for other parents who are, you know maybe suspecting they're about to get a phone call that may may change everybody's lives, you know, and don't quite know how to react or. Or, or how to cope with it? What, what advice would you give? I think if I'd had my time again, I think I would have at least brought the subject up. Mm. Not saying, you know, I think you're gay, but just saying, you know, if, if ever you have any issues about your sexuality, that's absolutely fine. You know, I think I would have done that. But I think also um, I do know that there are some parents who because I sort of was lucky because I most of my friends are you know very um, into diversity equality and so on but I think you know if 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 you're living in an environment where that might not be necessarily the case Hmm. then I do think that parents and it's even harder perhaps if you're a single parent um, to get support and I know there are organizations out there um, that can offer support for parents of LGBTQ so I think to reach out for support if you need it and to find maybe similar parents mm. as well because I think that can be um, helpful. And, and have you done that? Have you found other parents? of? of uh, yes, I have. Yes, mm. I have. Interestingly, I've got a cousin who's, um, this is a different cousin, whose um, daughter after coming and seeing one, one of Lloyd's premiere films then came out the next week. So. Wow. There you go. I told you Lloyd was changing the world. <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think the, the thing is, I think support's important. I know that um, uh, Manchester did have a sort of parents of LGBTQ meeting. It, you know, there were a group and you could go along to meetings and things like that. And, um, and I also, I remember when I used to go to Pride in Manchester and watch the parade and when when the section on all the parents came yeah you know know, I remember just crying and thinking you know they're so lucky it's a bit like I always think you know with gay people it's a bit like um you know the gift of dyslexia the gift of being gay you know there's so many attributes that and differences and things that you know different people can bring to our society really as well as our families and I think it should just be um, embraced but they also need support as well because it isn't always easy particularly if they're younger you know we know what suicide rates are particularly for gay men and and I do think that it's very important that there are still these you know mental health groups support groups for gay men and women and parents but Mm. they are still needed and statistics are still quite frightening they are absolutely, and even worse for um, trans people. Absolutely, and that is—it's only very recently that there's even been research into trans people. You know, it, it just—you you just couldn't find it. I know because I used to try and you know go through all the literature, and they were a kind of real neglected group whose issues weren't be, really being looked at and taken seriously 
Well, Marilyn, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and telling us all, all about your wonderful children. And uh, well done for making a lesbian and a gay. I think that's quite quite an extraordinary <laughs> achievement. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> there you go. The very proud and very lovely Marilyn. A huge thank you to her for sharing her story. And a big thanks to Lloyd and Fern too, of course, for coming out and empowering their mum to tell their stories. Don't miss next episode, whatever you do. We are leaving these shores and off to Mumbai. Now, it's one thing coming out in the UK, isn't it? But what about coming out in a country where it's still illegal to be gay? Well, that was the case in India back in 2007 when Aruna's son came out to her as being gay. Now, you'll have to listen to the full episode to understand why she took it in her stride. But here's a little snippet. So I just just asked him, you said that your friend is gay are you also gay and he just got in his bedroom and he just got up and came and hugged me and started crying and and he started asking me uh, mama do you still love me uh, I, I mean are you ashamed of it i said what you wanted to say this uh, he said yeah i said oh my god you should have just said it let's go for dinner <laughs> <laughs>